once again, we are so thankful to be here. We're so thankful for each and every person that you send out, Lord. Lord, we just ask you to send down the teacher, God, that you'll bless our Sunday school teacher, Lord, that you open up our ears to hear and our hearts to understand, Lord. We just love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, if we look around at all the things that are happening in the world today, might make us wonder just how much longer the good Lord's going to put up with all of it, you know, before he kind of says, I've had enough of this. Have you ever said that? You ever been aggravated or tried to do something and it's not work out? And you finally say, you know what? I'm done. Finished. I'm not trying anymore. I wonder sometimes when God looks down at people, will they not ever learn? Amen. You know? We probably all agree that we think time is short. <coughs> now, I hear people say that all the time. Time is short. We need to be ready. Time is short. Well, the rapture or the catching away of the church, however you want to put it, it may not happen in my lifetime, but I wonder how much sin is going to escalate before he does say, I'm fed up, and even though he wants everybody to go to heaven, he knows that everybody is not going to go to heaven. But I wonder just how much longer he's going to look down on earth before he says, it's time. It's time, you know. I'm paraphrasing, but the Bible, and we'll get into it a little later, but it says that he's patient or long-suffering, that we all have the chance to find salvation and to believe in him. But how much more is he going to take? And I know we say it, like I said, all the time, that time is short. Well, what constitutes short? You know, how are we to be prepared? Turn over to Matthew chapter 24. I think this is Brother Leon's favorite, one of his favorite chapters in the book. Matthew 24. And I'm going to start in verse 36. Matthew 24. And I'm going to start in verse 36. And when you get there, continue to stand for the reading of the word. Matthew 24, 36 starts out, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were so, shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until, that, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came, and took them all away, so shall it also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. You can be seated. So no one, no one in heaven or on earth really knows exactly when Jesus will return for his people except God the Father. So we're not supposed to know exactly when it's going to happen. If you knew, if you knew for a fact 
morning tonight, you were going to drop dead. How would you live the day before? Would you live the rest of this day calling people that maybe you've wronged, telling them you were sorry? Would you tell your loved ones, you know, that you love them more, your family, your friends? Would you make things right with God? I mean, really get on your knees and check out your salvation and make sure that it's where you need to be to take that last breath. You know, kind of like the good man of the house. If he knew when the thief was going to come, he would have just been better prepared. He might have hired more people to watch his house. He might have locked his, made sure his windows and doors were locked. He may have actually walked to the premises. If we knew we were going to die tonight, how would we live the rest of this day? Because really, Satan is that thief. I mean, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Are we prepared? Are we watching? Are we waiting? Because he's going to attack you. If you're a Christian, I'll guarantee you Satan's going to attack you. Amen. Are you watching? Are we expecting him to attack us? Because it's going to come. One way or another, at one time or another. He'll attack when you least expect it. He'll attack you when you're down and out. He'll attack you when you're at your weakest. But... We have to be prepared. You know, 40 and 41 said, one shall be taken and one left. Now both were in a field and both were grinding. But one of each was left. Could be two people sitting on the church pew. One taken and one left. And don't think just because you come and sit on the church pew that that guarantees you you're going to heaven. Because it doesn't. You have to be right in your heart and your life mind, body, and soul to make it to heaven. <clears throat> so one's going to be taken and one's going to be left. What about the five, the ten virgins? Five were prepared. Five really didn't take it seriously until the time came and then it was too late. See, we can't play church. If you're going to be a Christian, you need to be a Christian. You don't need to be a part-time Christian and you don't need to put up a front so everybody else thinks you're a good Christian because everybody else is not who is going to judge you on that day. Amen. It's going to be God himself. And we have to be ready. And if you're just playing church or if you're just looking good for the community, God already knows. So it doesn't matter what I think or what you make me believe or if you fool me, God already knows. And we better be prepared because we don't know when that time will come. Are we watching and waiting for Jesus' return? You know, goes back to better yet, are we prepared? Are we packed and ready to go? How many of us have ever gone on vacation? My sister goes on a trip every year. Two weeks ahead of time, she's got her suitcases packed. She already knows what she's taken. She's already got everything ready. All she's got to do is pick her suitcase up and go out the door. Now, my brother-in-law, on the other hand, sometimes he waits till the night before, which drives her crazy. Which are we? Are we going to wait until we think we're going to die to be ready to meet the Lord? <coughs> because you may die and never know it. 
It can happen that quick. You know, they say God instantly. I used to wonder about that. I used to really wonder about that. I thought, do they feel a little bit of pain before they die? Do they know they're taking their last breath? And then I had a rest. And it happened so fast that I didn't even know I had a rest until after it had happened. And that answered my question. You don't know. When they say instantly, there is no time to say, Lord, forgive me. There is no time to say, God, I repent. It's too late then. There is no second chance. We need to be ready beforehand. Amen. And when I was a kid, we never really heard about that many young people dying. I mean, you just didn't. My whole childhood, I heard of one kid that I went to school with dying because he drowned. Now, read the obituaries. You've got young people, 10 and under. You've got teenagers. You've got 20 to 40 year olds, and to me that's young. Dying all the time. I look in the obituaries and I think, man, I mean, us older people are kicking the bucket too. But look at all the young people dying. Do you think that they thought they were going to die that day? No, they didn't. They thought they had forever. And sometimes we, as Christians, that want to look good and play church, we think, well, God's a loving God. He's going to understand. I've still got some time to weed this out or weed that out, get that resentment out of my heart, quit holding a grudge against my brother, quit talking about my neighbor. You're not guaranteed that time at all. So sometimes, yes, time is short. Two people were the same, yet one was taken, one was left. We think time is short. Shouldn't we be making every aspect of our life line up with the Word of God so that we can make it to heaven? No, I haven't served him all these years to miss out in the end because I got complacent with my life. Or, I don't know, we've heard that he's coming back so much that I've kind of become immune to it. Yeah, he's coming back. A lot of years from now. I'll be dead and gone. Or people will say something about him coming back and people will actually say, I've heard that all my life and it hasn't happened yet. I've heard people say that. And it's true. That hasn't happened yet. But I'll guarantee you it is going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't know where, but it's going to happen. So we get immune to the dangers and we think we've got plenty of time to get ready. You don't know what your time is. You know, I may live to be a hundred. I may not make it home this afternoon. I don't know. I just know that I want to make heaven my home and that's my top priority. Yes, amen. And it should be for each and every Christian. And then the second priority should be to, to witness and plant the seed and take as many people with us as we can. Amen. That's the truth. You know? 
Turn over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Verse 13 through 15. James 4 and 13 starts out and says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. <clears throat> Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanished away. For that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now turn over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 16. Luke 12 and 16. It says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, This is Jesus talking. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say unto my soul, Soul, Thou hast much goods and laid up for many years. Take thine else, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Jesus is coming back. Whether we believe it or whether we don't. Are we preparing ourselves for the wrong thing? Are we watching and waiting for a better life ahead here on earth? Or are we watching and waiting and expecting for a better life in eternity in heaven? What are our priorities? If we think time is so short, what are our priorities? If time is so short, are we working extra hard? To get ahead here on earth, and there is nothing wrong with having good things and wanting better. That's not what I'm saying. But if that's your top priority as a Christian, is to be better off here on earth, your priorities are wrong. Our top priority should be to make sure that our soul is ready when we take our last breath so that we'll go to heaven. But like I said, he's coming back. Whether we believe it, whether we don't, whether we believe in him or whether we don't, whether we live for him or not, he's going to come back. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So doesn't matter whether you believe in him, doesn't matter whether you live for him, doesn't matter whether you live like you should. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether you want to or not, you're going to do it. So if this is supposed to be the truth and he's coming back and we don't know when, how do we know it's true? People will ask you, well, I've heard that all my life. How do you know that's true? 
The Bible says he won't have us ignorant. Won't have us ignorant of his wills or his ways. Right here is our instruction book. Don't take my word for anything. Don't ever take my word for anything. I'm human. I mess up. I'll misquote. Not on purpose. I would never. <clears throat> I think it was me and Jason the other day. It might not have been talking about when you get up here. One of your prayers is that, Lord, please don't ever let me say anything that's not right. Don't ever take my word for anything. Get it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Know it for yourself. And live it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't take my word. Because whether I mess up, I make mistakes, I fail God, I disappoint him sometimes. Don't, as Brother Allen used to say, don't put your faith in man, put your faith in God. Don't put your faith in the preacher, put your faith in God. He's the one that's going to see you through. So learn his word, learn his instruction book. Know what's true and what's not. How to be prepared. What happens if you are and what happens if you aren't are in this Bible, the Holy Word of God. He even tells you things to watch for so you know that time is getting short. Turn over to Matthew 24. Back over. I should have told y'all to keep that mark. Matthew 24. Start in verse 4. Matthew 24 and verse 4. It says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you unto be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Right off the bat, what does he say? Take heed. Look that up. It says pay attention. Pay attention so that you aren't deceived. But if you don't know the word, how do you know when someone tells you something that's not true? I mean, it's that simple. If you don't know the word and somebody comes up and they're spouting scripture or you think they are or they're half scripture or some true and some not, how do you know what's true if you don't read it for yourself? I can't press that enough. Read it for yourself. The Bible says write it on the tablets of your heart. Know it. 
Know it so that when something comes up, you'll be able to feel in your soul that it's of God or of the world. Have you ever had somebody say something and your your stomach just kind of, you just know something's not right? Well, if you don't know the Word of God, how is that feeling going to come over you to know, to discern that something's just not right? I've had people supposedly quote scripture and I'm thinking where was it and I'll ask them where is that well I don't know but it's in there and I'm like well let's find it well I will they're just quoting something they've heard somebody else say they don't know if it's in there or not it's up to us as Christians to look to make sure don't take somebody else for their word. Get in the Bible yourself and learn it for yourself. Know it for yourself. You know, verse 5 talked about, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Some of you are old enough to remember the Jim, Jim Jones incident. The Waco incident. You know, and there's others. They may start out good, but somewhere the wires get crossed and instead of following after Christ, you're following after a man that is putting himself in a position to be like Christ. So we need to learn to be able to discern spirits. I've been in a church that I've sat down there and they were doing a singing. Something didn't feel right in my spirit. It just didn't feel right. And we went back the second time, and it was worse then than it was the first within myself. And I told Larry, and me and Tabitha talked about it. We chose not to go back because we felt like there was not a spirit of God there. There was something else there, and we didn't want any part of it. It goes back to, and this isn't even in the lesson. What image as a Christian do we project? Amen. Do we stand, I'm a Christian, but my co-workers are standing there and I walk up when I'm telling a dirty joke and I just stand there and listen to it. I don't laugh at it, but I stand there and finish listening to it. What image does that project? When I know they're telling a dirty joke, I'm going to walk off. And I've told this story before. I worked with a guy that was bad about telling dirty jokes. And he would come into mine in, in uh, Sherry's office. It's, I've got a joke. First thing out of my mouth was, Ed, if it's dirty, I don't want to hear it. So it got, it's not, it's not. And it got to where he would come into my office and he'd say, I got a joke. And Jan, it's not dirty. I didn't even get a chance to say that. What image do we project? We Mandatory. We had to go to a Christmas party. There was five of us. And I know one was another Christian. I was the only one that didn't drink. Even though it won't matter. No one will know. It's a party. What excuses the devil will feed to you to get you to compromise your salvation? Now, New Year's, same situation, but the other Christian didn't drink. She didn't drink that time. What image are we projecting as Christians? Because it matters. It matters.
world is watching us. They want to see us messed up so they can say, see, I told you. God says, don't be a stumbling block to your brother. And I'm paraphrasing. What image are we projecting? It said wars and rumors of wars. Look at Ukraine and Russia. Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Iraq, North Korea, shooting off missiles. But sometimes, what about if the war isn't physical? Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's political, and that's probably what has caused all these wars anyway. But is the U.S., and I'm not getting into politics, but look at the division of the American people right now. I mean, you know, used to the parties may have disagreed, but they kept their self-respect. Now they bash each other and belittle each other, talk about their opponent instead of dealing with the issues at hand. They're even fighting within their own parties. How can we, as Christians, put our faith and trust in someone that's out for themselves and not out for Christian values? The Bible says pray for our leaders. Doesn't have to be the party that you're participating in. Doesn't be, have to be the person that you wanted in that position. But we're still supposed to pray for them. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, North and South Korea. Even people within their own countries are at war with themselves for positions of power. People in the position of power are for themselves and not for the country. You know, people are being killed wanting better. You know, there are third world countries that people are starving to death because of hiring positions, keeping the wealth for themselves and letting the people do without. And it doesn't bother them. You know, it sounds like the parable of the rich man that had so much grain, he couldn't share any of it, because if I'm not mistaken, there was a famine going on during that time. Kept it to himself, and instead of sharing what he had, which was so much, he was just going to tear down his barns and build bigger ones. Are we like that sometimes? And I'm not talking about material stuff. You know, people are always like, oh, I worked hard for that money. I'm talking about the gospel. Are we stingy with our gospel, with our salvation? Do we not ever tell anybody how good God is? Well, kids think you can only have one friend. Just the way it is with them. You got one friend. As they mature and grow, they realize you can have more than one friend. You got more than one best friend. But we as Christians sometimes want to keep our salvation to ourselves. We want to keep the gospel, the good news, about how good God is and how much Jesus loves us. We don't want to share it. We don't ever tell anybody about God. We don't ever invite anybody to church. It said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Are we ashamed to tell people we're a Christian? Are we scared to tell people we're a Christian? 
Well, if I tell them I'm a Christian, they're going to make fun of me. How many times have I been called holier than that? How many times, because I'm Pentecostal, been called a holy roller? Well, you know what? If I'm a holy roller, I'm okay with that. Amen. At least I'm holy. <clears throat> Are we ashamed, embarrassed, or scared to tell people that we're a Christian, that we believe in Jesus Christ? If time is short, and I have made this comment before, when I take my last breath, I hope I've got my arms up in the air praising God. I want everybody to know that I'm a Christian. As me and me say that I got Jesus in my heart. And I love him and I'm living for him. And I don't care who knows. And if it makes someone mad or they want to make fun of me, I don't care about that either because I'm not going to answer to them. I'm going to answer to God. So we need to remember that famines and pestilence. Look at our third world countries. We're just talking about that. You see on TV where they're wanting donations for Africa where people are starving to death. And I say, and I'm not talking about them, but be careful what you donate your money to. Right. Look it up. How many times have I looked up an organization to see their little pie chart on how much goes to administration, how much goes to travel, and how much actually goes to the cause you're giving folk to. So be careful. Just because they've got a sad face or whatever, look it up and be sure where your money is going. Because there are people starving to death in the United States. There are homeless people here. You've got homeless people in Jackson County. Famines come closer to home. Like I said, look at all the homeless people in the United States. And it is not just drug addicts and alcoholics that are homeless. You've got people that have lost their jobs, then they've lost their homes. I can't remember, I think it was somebody here that made the comment, we are one paycheck away from being homeless. Do without a paycheck for a month. No income whatsoever coming in and see where you stand. Because I have a funny idea, that second month, you're gonna be without lights, gas, and water. By the third month, you're gonna be getting a notice telling them, telling you that if you don't get your house payment caught up or your rent caught up, you're gonna be evicted. And if you've got no income, and you can say, and I have said, well, golly, just get a job. Get a job at McDonald's until you can get something better, which is income coming in and could feed you. But sometimes it's not enough to pay for everything that you have. And you still have to choose. I had someone that never had kids that was always putting people down. <clears throat> because they didn't take better care of themselves or they didn't do this or that. And, and I finally looked at her one day and I said, you know, it's like buy diapers for the baby or go to the movie. Which are you gonna do? A mother is gonna buy diapers for the baby. But she couldn't understand that because she had never had any kids. So sometimes, Homeless people don't choose to be homeless. 
It's because that's the only option they've got. Most of us live paycheck to paycheck. Like I said, if we lost that, it would be hard. And even if you're two months, three months behind and you get a job that's got a good income, once you're behind, it's hard to get caught up. So we need to remember that famines come closer to home, not just over in other countries. You lose your job, next thing you know, you've lost your home, then your car that you were living out of, then what? You're homeless. You're on the street. And it wasn't by choice. And yet we see a homeless person on the corner and we think, well, you did it to yourself. Well, you should have known better. Well, I've done a lot of things that I should have known to better than to do that have got me in a bind. Don't make it any easier, and I don't need somebody telling me that. I need a little compassion and empathy because it can happen to any of us. That earthquakes in diverse places. We just had that big earthquake in Turkey where thousands of people have died. Mudslides, killing hundreds. Avalanches with skiers, killing several. It said, these are just the beginning of sorrows. All this other stuff is just fixing to start. And in verse 9, it talked about deliver you to be afflicted. Deliver you to the afflicted. The world is going to come against you no matter what. You've got Islams and others killing Christians. You've got white supremacists killing black Christians. You've got Americans, hopefully that would not be a Christian, killing or abusing Jews or people with different nationalities. God is love. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what nationality you are. God loves you. And if we're supposed to be Christ-like, we're supposed to love people too. He said, love everyone. And yet here, Jesus tells us that we're going to be hated because we carry his name as Christians and follow him. Verse 10 said, many shall be offended. Isn't that what the world does? It offends. When we, the word of God, I guess would be the best way to put it, offends the darkness in our life because we know that what the darkness is not right. We know it's not the way we're supposed to live. But like in being in the darkness, we don't want to move out of that darkness because we like what we're, we're doing. We like the way we're living. We like what we're getting by with. Let me tell you something. If you've got a little bit of sin in your life or you've got something that's not supposed to be there and you think you're getting by with it and nobody knows, God knows. God knows. Doesn't matter whether anybody in this room knows what you're doing in the privacy of your home. God knows. And he's the one that counts. So don't think you're getting by with anything. Don't people kind of get offended when you try to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ? I bet some people get kind of upset with me. 
believing that stuff. I've heard that on my, my grandma made me go to church. I'll never go back to church again. <clears throat> they get offended, but the seed has been planted in some of them, and they know, and it makes them feel guilty because they know they're not living like they should. If you're a Christian, people will betray you. They'll lie to you. They'll cheat you. They'll talk about you. They'll take advantage of you. And they'll even envy you. You know? They'll hate you for what you stand for, and that's Jesus Christ. Because they like, like I said, they watch our life. They watch you as a Christian. And they see the peace, the joy, the love that you have in your life. When you go through a hard time and it doesn't tear you apart, you may think it is, but we hold true because we know God's with us and we make it through it. Think of how many times have you heard somebody say, I don't know how you made it through it. Because we have God in our life. And they see something that we have that they wish they could have. Yet sometimes they don't want to change their life to get it. Sometimes they don't know how to get it. Don't think because we live in America that everybody knows about salvation. Because right. I was one of them. I did not know. Did not know anything about it. So don't think Everybody knows about salvation. It's our responsibility as Christians to tell them, to show them. I don't know about y'all, you can tell me how to do something. Part of it will stick in my mind. But if you sit down with me and take me through it step by step and show me and let me get involved and do it, or stand over my shoulder and say, okay, now, do this and do that and let me do it for myself, I learn a lot better. So sometimes people will get more out of learning about salvation by watching how we live our life than us telling them. <coughs> but what impression do we leave? What image do they see? You know, verse 11 that in many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. <clears throat> Humans have itchy ears. If you're not grounded in the word and you don't know what's true, what's not, you can be misled. You know, then others, they want to do their own thing. So that's why they're looking for, what they're looking for in a leader is somebody that's going to tell them what they want to hear. Oh yeah, it's okay to do this. You gotta come and repent. No, it's not okay to start with. Sin is sin is sin. I don't care what it is. And it's not okay to willfully sin and think, well, I'll just ask God to forgive me. And if you do, he will. But that goes back to what if you don't get the chance? What if you die instantly before you get the chance to repent. Verse 12, you know, if you don't take heed or be on the watch, you let the little things get by, and then Satan's got a foot in the door, and then 
He can distract you with bigger things until you walk away from God and your salvation. And don't think it can happen. I've heard so many people say, I would never, I'd never, well, I would never do that. Be careful about saying never. Because God can humble you. You know, said something about eating crow. Doesn't go down too well. Never say never. <clears throat> With the help of God, I hope I will never. Verse 13, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. You want to make it to heaven? Endure to the end. No, you can't start and then sit down, stop making progress with your walk with God and think you're going to make it to heaven. And you can't start, then something come up, a life-changing thing, and you just sit down and quit and give up. Like the song says, the sun's coming up in the morning. Every tear will be gone from my eyes. We have to know who we depend on. We have to know. We have to believe. The rest of that song says, this old world's going to give way to glory and like an eagle I'll take to the sky. Speaking towards you sing that song all the time. We need to remember who to put our faith in. The gospel <clears throat> that will be preached all around the world. Some do this by preaching and evangelizing, but most of them we do it in our own little world. Our co-workers, our family, the people that we come into contact with. That and then the end will come. Are you ready? Are you watching? Are you waiting? Are you expecting? Because the end is going to come. Time is short. But what is short? Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. It says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So as Christians, we believe Jesus is coming back. We believe we have to be ready to make it to heaven. Maybe we need to quit worrying about when he's coming back, and more so on working on being ready when he gets here. Because all of us may not live to see the rapture or the catching away. Some of us are going to go by the grave. It could be in one day, it could be in a thousand years or shorter. Or longer than that before he comes back. But the signs are there. Turn to Mark chapter 13 verse 12. And this is my last scripture. Mark 13 and 12. It says, Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. How much of this is already happening today? Happens more than we know. I get little news flashes on my phone. 
you know. We only hear about a high-profile crime, <coughs> like the Murdoch trial, you know, where he killed his wife and son, or on the news channels that we get, and we only get in a certain area, you know, where newborn babies are putting garbage cans in a gas station. How parents beat and starve their children. How children are killing their adult parents and hide them in the house so that they can continue to get their checks. There is so much going on in the world. Transgender, abortion, LBGQ. It's happening today. The signs are there. It's just a matter of how long it takes God to get fed up and tired of it. We are getting to be so much like Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going to eat it someday, and he's going to destroy the earth. Doesn't matter when it's ha when it happens. The important thing is that we're ready for when it happens. We need to be ready, like the next breath will be our last breath. Amen. Because it could be. We don't know. Time is short, but you know, a hundred years for me is a long time. It's a long time to live, and I've seen on the news where people are living that long, a little over. It's a long time for me as a human. But it's just like a drop in a bucket for God. I want to have a good life here, and God has blessed me, and blessed me and blessed me. And I always want to be thankful, but that's not what I'm striving for. I'm striving for eternity, and that's going to be forever and ever and ever. There'll be no end to eternity. How do I want to spend it? Do I want to spend eternity in heaven, praising God, living a good life? Or do I want to spend it with Satan in hell, a burning hell, being tortured constantly? with never any peace, joy, or love. It's our choice. We choose. Each individual chooses for themselves. You can't choose for somebody else. If I could get my kids to heaven, they'd all be in church this morning. I can't. That's their own choice. We choose for ourselves. But we better be serious about how we're living our life now because that makes a difference in the end result. And Brother John, it's all about.